We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is Greg Olson, here to tell you about my new podcast, TE1. On the show, I had a chance to talk to my fellow tight ends who have revolutionized the position from an extra lineman to a dual-threat superstar. And just like my guests have changed the game, this year, NFLSundayTicket.tv is revolutionizing your NFL viewing experience. Stream all the live out-of-market NFL games every Sunday on your favorite devices and never miss a moment from your favorite players. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use the promo code GREG88 at checkout and get 15% off your subscription. That's NFLSundayTicket.tv and the promo code GREG88. Subscribe to TE1 and get NFLSundayTicket.tv, an unmatched dual threat. Blue wire. The Chicago Bulls select Kobe White. Levine with the runway! Welcome to Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast. We're on the Blue Wire Network. We're brought to you by DoorDash. We're brought to you by NFL Sunday Ticket. And we're brought to you by Bet Online. I'm Ricky O'Donnell. As always, I'm here with Jason Pat. And Jason, we got some Bulls news, actually. The Bulls yes. started the interview process for their new head coaching search. And we said we wanted them to cast a wide net. And my God, have they ever casted a wide net? Indeed, it's great to see. I guess just to start out here, like I, I, I'm not going to say I have like deep thoughts on a lot of these guys, especially a lot of these like assistant coaches. But it is great to see them. Look at a bunch of these up and coming assistants. They have Kenny Atkinson, who we who was reported as a name. We'll just go through like to start some of these names. We got Kenny Atkinson, former Nets coach. Uh, we've heard obviously Ime Udoka, who's been reported as a favorite. We get uh, we have Milwaukee Bucks, Darvin Ham, Denver Nuggets, Weston Unseld Jr. Uh, David Vanderpool from the Minnesota Timberwolves, Steven Silas from the Mavs, a bunch of these assistant coaches. We got a couple new names from this uh, Adrian Wojnarowski report uh, on the, from these interviews that they've gotten permission to talk to these guys. We have Dan Craig of the Miami Heat, and we have Jamal Mosley, also from the Mavs, along with Steven Silas. So that's two Mavs assistant coaches. Um, it also says the Bulls are planning on interviewing couple of their current assistants, that's Chris Fleming, their offensive guy, Ray Rogers, their defensive guy. I feel like I'd be pretty surprised if they hired either of those guys to be their head coach because you'd think they'd probably want a fresh start. Fresh start. Maybe they keep them around depending on who the new coach is or they're just giving them a chance, giving them an opportunity just to get that, like that, just kind of that, just opportunity to get a head coach interview. Uh, but yeah, a lot of names here. 
Uh, I guess it's also worth noting some of the names that are not listed here. Uh, we don't see Adrian Griffin. Obviously, there was that whole cut scandal or whatever about the disturbing allegations made by his ex-wife. He has denied them. It's still the Bulls might want to stay away from that just because they're like, very disturbing allegations. Again, uh, we, obviously, we'll find out more about if Adrian Griffin's going to be involved with this. His name, I think, was brought up initially the start of this after they fired Boylan, but he's not on this list. We also don't have some of those like retread names. Like I, like I, I was writing, I wrote a thing at Forbes the other day about uh, just like going through, like I think bet online had some, uh, or had some uh, odds for Bulls head coach, like names like Jason Kidd, Mark Jackson, Jeff Van Gundy, like basically those retread names. They're not on here. I would guess they wouldn't be on here. Another name we brought up, we talked about in our last pod was Brett Brown recently fired by the Sixers. That could take maybe it would take some time. I don't know if the Bulls would have any interest there. Nate McMillan was just fired. I don't think he wants a new job. I believe he came out and said in an interview that he does not want to coach this year. I guess we'll see. But I think I think we both the way we this is kind of looks like it's playing out. I think we're we've kind of shared this thought that it, we think the Bulls will probably hire a first time head coach, one of these assistant coaches. Uh, like I said, I do not have strong thoughts really on any of these guys. Like it's hard, like they obviously have have pretty good backgrounds. They have some ties to this front office. I mean, like Wes Unsell Jr. from the Nuggets, Karnaschovas or Karnaschovas has uh, uh, ties with him. Udoka, he, Mark Eversley came over from the Sixers. Udoka is one of the highest paid assistant coaches, and some of these other guys look at it like a David Vanterpool. He he spent a lot. He spent a lot of time with the Blazers, uh, working with Dame and CJ. Uh, this new guy Dan Craig, he was a G League co- uh, coach in the D League for the Sioux. Uh, what's it? The Sioux Falls Skyforce. He won Coach of the Year in 2016 when they won the title. Uh, Darvin Ham. Former player is up with the Bucks. He he has has experience with I believe it's the Lakers and the Hawks, and he was also a coach. Uh, I think it was also in the D League somewhere or somewhere else. He he does have head coaching experience, but none, not in the NBA. So I would guess, and I think like I said, I think you think the same thing that they will probably hire one of these first time up and coming assistant coaches. What do you make of some of the names on this list? Yeah, it's a big list. I guess that's the first thing that struck yeah. me. I believe there's nine players mentioned in the initial report by or nine coaches mentioned in the initial report by Adrian Wojnarowski, including the two assistants who I agree, uh, Roy Rogers, Chris Flemings. I, I do not anticipate that either of them will get this job. And I think looking at the other candidates, really, I don't think the Bulls can go wrong, whether it's Kenny yeah. Atkinson, Darvin Ham, Steven Silas, David Vanterpool, Ime Udoka, Wes Unsell Jr., uh, and then, you know, the two new names that were reported, Dan Craig and Jamal Mosley, both sound interesting, too. Craig is a guy who was the G League Coach of the Year, coaching uh, the Sioux Falls affiliate, the Sioux Falls Sky Force, with the Miami Heat. Uh, won a championship there, I believe, in 2016 as G League Coach of the Year. He was with the Heat for all three of their titles. His path really seems to mimic... Uh, Eric Spolstra's in that uh, he started off as a video intern and then an assistant video coordinator, then a video coordinator, and has just worked his way up and became an assistant coach in 2016. So uh, we'll talk about the heat a little bit more in a minute. But like one thing the Bulls are going to have to do, obviously, is just like reset the entire culture of the organization. And that's because like it was ruined by John Paxson and Gar Foreman <laughs> running the organization so long. And handpicking their coaches like Fred Hoiberg and Boylan, who are objectively bad and just not having good player friendly relationships. So honestly, I think like any of the names on this list will be good as long as it's not Flemings or Rogers, who I don't even want to discount them because I think that both of them, you know, are good and they're talented in their own ways, but I just don't think that they will get this opportunity. Uh, 
so yeah, I mean, a lot of uh, pretty intriguing names. I think Wes Unsell Jr. is a guy who a lot of people have had circled as the favorite just because of his ties to Karnishevis. Uh, earlier, I will say, like watching Denver in their first round series against Utah, they're definitely getting out coached. I don't know how much the assistants have to right. do with that, but Quinn Snyder, I think, is running circles around Mike Malone, and uh, you know, just the idea of you know what Malone did for the Nuggets, or even like Snyder's place with the Jazz. It's like you need a coach just to take you from the Bulls' perspective from C to B. So, like, the coach they hire here does not need to be the coach who they are competing with deep into the playoffs. The Bulls just need, like, a total reset. And really, anyone they hire over Boylan is obviously going to be a massive upgrade for a bunch of different reasons. So I don't think that that there's even a ton of pressure on this hire uh, because I think, like... The bar is so low. (laughs) The bar is so low. It can't get any worse than it's been. You've got a lot of first-time head coaches here, which I think is good. You have a lot of... Uh, blackhead coaches, which, as I said on the last podcast, I think would be great when the Bulls have only had Bill Cartwright as their only blackhead coach ever. I think it would be awesome to get some more diversity throughout the organization. I think that would be something that would resonate with players, hopefully, uh, both inside and outside of the organization. And, uh, you know, it's it's been a blind spot for the Bulls for a long time. It's completely inexcusable. And so, you know, you look at this list and there are a lot of blackhead coaches. I think that that's a great thing. And then there's a lot of players from winning organizations or a lot of coaches from winning organizations. Uh, Like all these guys have basically competed deep into the playoffs. We're talking about, you know, how's Wes Unseld's juniors interview going to be affected by like, if they win game seven or not tonight, Uh, which that will be over by the time you guys listen to this podcast, probably. But uh, I think they're checking a lot of boxes. And I, I really think that the Dan Craig name is interesting. He's someone who was newly reported. Uh, I don't know if you read the Windhorst article today talking about the Heat's conditioning test. Uh, I saw it. I did not read the whole thing. So it's pretty interesting. It's basically just like the Heat have this legendary conditioning test where the guys have to run the length of the floor 10 times in under a minute. Then you get two minutes for recovery, and then you have to do it five times, I think. So I think what James Johnson failed to start this year, and they like sent him home. Right? Yeah, Jimmy Butler yeah. failed it to start the oh, year as well. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, we know, I think, that Jimmy always keeps himself in pretty good shape. But uh, I saw someone say that it's basically like uh, 283 meters at a mile pace of 520. So basically, like someone who is a conditioned runner could probably do it pretty easily on a track or not not easily but uh you know for a world-class athlete they should be able to handle this on a track but it's like the starting and stopping that makes it so difficult and of course like you know the heat are just they're like sort of the gold standard for culture in the nba right now along with toronto uh and a couple other couple other teams so i think that that's a really interesting name and i love kind of just the general philosophy of what Karnishevis and Eversley are doing in terms of casting a wide net. And uh, I'm, I'm really interested to see who they're going to pick and when it happens, because there are a few other teams with head coaching openings right now. And uh, it'll be interesting to see, like, are they competing directly against the 76ers or the Pelicans or the Nets for any of these names? Obviously the Bulls are at a different stage of their rebuild than those other three teams, but uh, there, there are still a lot of balls up in the air at this point. Absolutely. And I, I forgot to mention Teron Liu. I know there was a report out there that he's monitoring the Bulls situation. 
Uh, I don't. I, he wants a ton of money. I can't imagine the Bulls are going to go pay to get Tron Lue. And I think a lot of these other teams might want are going to be looking at him as well. Whether that's you mentioned the teams you mentioned, the Pelicans, uh, the Sixers, uh, the Nets. Uh, I guess another name that could another opening that could be out there, and another name that could be available. We'll see what happens with the Rockets and their Game Seven. I feel like if they if they blow this series against the Thunder, I think D'Antoni's gone because there's. Uh, I mean, there was there was the whole thing about his contract extension, how they couldn't agree, and how he was lowballed this this past off season. So if they blow it now, like I feel like he's gone. I don't know what they would if they if they look to make other major changes there. Like would they fire Maury? I have no idea. But either way, like there's a chance the Rockets' position opens up as well, and that would leave the Rockets looking for another coach and and put would put D'Antoni on the board. Again, I don't think the Bulls would go and hire Mike D'Antoni uh, and pay him what he would want. But it's a, just still, it brings up another opening. It's a high-profile opening with the Rockets there. So, so yeah. So it'll be interesting to see how if, if the Bulls are in a rush here, what their timeline is. Because also, since it is now September, I believe that they're going to have these in-market meetings sometime soon. I would think they would like to have a coach in place, uh, at least for that, perhaps. I know, obviously, it, like if they want to hire a coach who's on a team who's going deep in the playoffs. I don't know if that's really, they can really do that. Maybe they have somebody like locked in who is still playing. Like if it's Yudoka or something like that, or one of these other guys, we'll see, I guess, but yeah, it will be interesting to see because yeah, because there are some other good openings out there and the bulls, uh, uh, I mean the bulls, it's the bulls. They're a big organization. Like they have a decent core there. They're a decently attractive team, but these other teams out there as well. And the nets have, (laughs) I know the Nets hire. They interviewed Jack Vaughn today, but the Nets are going to have Kevin Durant and Kyrie back. The Pelicans have have Zion Williamson. Uh, the Pacers are a good team. So these are other. These are and the Sixers have a lot of talent. So these are other really good jobs out there. So there is definitely some competition there, and it will be really interesting to see uh, how that goes. Do you have any other thoughts on the Bulls' coaching situation before we talk about a former Bull, somebody we brought up, and and some playoff talk? Any any final thoughts here before we move on? I just think that like, there's so much at stake over the next two years for the entire league in that like the entire sort of stability of the league can shift. And obviously it shifted in a major way when Kevin Durant left the Warriors and we still don't know how the Warriors are going to be without him because they were all hurt this year. And we don't know what the Nets are going to be, who their new coach is, how they're going to look with Kyrie and Durant. There's reports that they want a third star. I'm really interested to see what happens with Harden because I feel like, we all know the Rockets owner, Tillman Fertetta, I believe. Fertitta, Fertitta, something like that. How do you pronounce his name? Uh, yeah. He's a broke boy. And <laughs> he just doesn't seem like a chill guy, given how he's treated his workers uh, throughout the various businesses he owns. I think it's pretty likely that he, you know, gets rid of or parts ways with Daryl Morey. I believe Morey's contract is expiring soon as well. He's obviously going to command a big salary. So I think, you know, more could be on the market. What happens with Harden? That was the big thing I was throwing out there in our group chat yesterday after watching uh, Rockets Thunder is that I would not be surprised if Harden's on the move within the next year or two. I think he'll start next season with the Rockets. But then after that, it's like if Maury's gone, Westbrook looks like a disaster. They don't have any draft picks. Uh, I think that there's going to be some some big guys available. And for the Bulls, the they did the first step, which is getting a new face of the franchise in the front office. Uh, You know, we've all been worried about the influence that Paxson's going to wield throughout the organization, but it certainly doesn't seem like Paxson is going to have any influence on the coaching hire, right? And that's a great thing. Doesn't seem like it. It doesn't seem like it, at least. Uh, 
And so, yeah, like the Bulls have talked a big game about making it a player's first organization. Now it's time to back it up. And uh, I don't think that like, you know, next year is going to be all that pivotal for the Bulls. I mean, it is in the sense that like the individual pieces need to sort of rehab their stock from having the worst coach in the NBA and uh, sort of like, you know, rehabilitating their image, I guess, league wide. But uh there's going to be some big things for the league coming down the pipeline. I think, you know, two years from now in a lot of different ways, you know, you could look at the Sixers, what's going to happen with Embiid and Simmons. Uh, There's a lot of potential storylines out there. So Bulls, first step, hire a good coach. If they do that, I think that uh, they'll be well on their way to starting to, you know, take on the post Paxson, post Boylan phase of the organization. Yeah. Things could change so fast in the NBA. It's crazy. Hire a good coach. Hire a coach who can get can connect with players that makes the Bulls a, a team that other stars would want to come to. It'd be nice, right? Or just developing player development, also just a big part. Hire a coach who can develop players, connect with guys, and just make the Bulls an attractive organization again. Please do it. Let's see. All right. Uh, before we talk about some more playoff stuff, let's take a quick word from our sponsors. You've counted on restaurants. Now they're counting on you. And while their dining rooms may be closed, they're still open for delivery with DoorDash. DoorDash is the app that brings you the food you're craving right to your door. Ordering is super easy. Open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be left safely outside your door with a new contactless delivery drop-off setting. Choose from your favorite national restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, and the Cheesecake Factory. Many of your favorite local restaurants are still open for delivery too. Just open the DoorDash app, select your favorite local spot, and your food will be on its way. So right now, our Cash consideration listeners can get $5 off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter the code BLUEWIRE. That's $5 off your order and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter code BLUEWIRE. Don't forget, that's code BLUEWIRE for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. Sunday, Sunday, Sundays are coming back in the NFL, and with NFLSundayTicket.tv, you can stream every live out-of-market NFL game every Sunday afternoon on all your favorite devices, plus Red Zone DirecTV fantasy channels so you never miss your favorite teams or favorite players. No matter where you live, NFLSundayTicket.tv is your key to the most glorious Sundays ever. Use the promo code BLUEWIRE at checkout to get 15% off your subscription. All you got to do is go visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use the code promo code BLUEWIRE. We are back. Cash Considerations, HKO Bulls podcast. Ricky, let's talk about Jimmy fucking Butler, who absolutely roasted the Milwaukee Bucks in a very exciting Game 1 performance uh, against, uh, in the second round last night. Uh, 40 points total. I believe that was a playoff career high. Uh, I think that was 27 in the second half. 15 in the fourth quarter. He outscored the Bucks. I think it was like like 13 to 6 in like the last four or five minutes of the game. Uh, Bucks or the Heat win 115-104. The Heat were a very popular upset pick because the Bucks kind of didn't look that great in the bubble. They they lost that game one and against the Magic. And while they they kind of handled the Magic the rest of that series as expected, that was a terrible. The Magic team was depleted. The Bucks the Bucks should have swept them. They still just did not look great. Uh, Giannis did not look great yesterday. They didn't have Eric Bledsoe, which is tough. But we just saw Jimmy just absolutely tear their hearts out in down the stretch, just hitting tough shots, the uh, jumpers going to the lane, uh, and it was just it's 
and obviously this stirred a lot of conversation on Bulls Twitter, just talking about the Bulls trading Jimmy Butler. I know we've talked about this. We've relitigated the trade. We've relitigated that decision uh, for, for years now since they've traded him. Because the Bulls have sucked. They sucked since they've traded Jimmy. And Jimmy's moved for for a few teams. He's had some drama in places he's gone with Minnesota and with with Philly. We, and we've learned a bit more about the Philly exit. Now there were some issues with Brett Brown. There were some issues with Ben Simmons. But now he's in Miami. Uh, he loves it there. They love him. It seems like a great fit with the whole Heat culture and all that. And like he's he, there's a bromance with Bam out of bio. He loves their young guys. They have a really fun young team with shooters like Duncan Robinson, Tyler Hero. They got vets, tough vets uh, uh, like Jay Crowder. They got Nick Wadala, uh guys like that. And Jordan Dragic has been awesome. He's kind of found like a second wind here towards the uh, the tail end of his career. They've just been a really fun team to watch. And I tweeted this last week as well, even before Jimmy went off, but just watching that first round series after they swept Pacers, how the Bulls, if they really like tried to actually build around Jimmy Butler, they could have built a really good, fun team. When they talked about the whole younger, more athletic thing in the offseason of 2016, that this Heat team is like is it would have been a really nice just kind of like blueprint for that. They have a young athletic stud in Bam. They have shooters around Jimmy and Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson, and another good ball handler and shooter in Goran Dragic. You have some other tough vets there, like the guys adding the toughness. Like this is the type of team that the Bulls possibly could have had. Uh, you can argue, you can say that, oh, they're not really a title. They're not legit title, title contender. Jimmy's not the legit number one on a, on a team. But, I mean, there's only so many guys that are out there like that. There's maybe five, six guys you can say, yeah, definite number one on a title team. Jimmy, at this point, still probably a top, 10 to 15 impact guy. And we know in the NBA just how important two-way wings are. And if you can handle the ball and score, get your own bucket in the half court, how important that is in the playoffs. So it just, it just kind of brought back just like some just, just anger. And I was, I've been trying, I've tried to get over this trade, Jimmy trade since it happened what three years ago at this point, but it just brought back just annoying annoyances of how the bulls just utterly failed to build around with whatever you want to say with Jimmy Butler and how they just barely even tried how in 2016, instead of trying to go the younger and more athletic route, like they did, they signed Dwayne Raid and Rajon Rondo have a goofy ass, terrible season. I know they went up two on the Celtics, but then it all went to shit after that. And then they trade him right after that. And even, and he didn't even want out Ricky. Just give me some of your thoughts on watching Jimmy Butler absolutely roast the bucks last night. Yeah. It's just like the heat are everything you want in an organization, right? Uh, obviously they, are arguably the best or second best behind the Lakers organization in attracting free agent talent. Uh, I, I heard someone in the chat in my like work Slack say, well, he haven't signed anyone big since LeBron. Well, they got Jimmy Butler. Like, I don't know who else was really competing for him at that point. Uh, obviously Butler and the heat seem like the perfect marriage of player and organization. And I think like one thing bulls fans should remember, it's very possible that they could have lost Butler for nothing, even if uh, they would have, you know, offered him the supermax contract and tried to make him the focal point of the team. I think, you know, it's still possible he would have ended up in Miami just because it does seem like that organization fits his personal ethos so well. Uh, But in terms of like, yeah, the bulls could have built, you know, this younger and more athletic team similar to the heat. The Bulls couldn't have because they could never have pulled every single switch that needed to be pulled to build this sort of team. I mean, the free agent thing is the easiest one because the Bulls have been absolutely dreadful at signing free agents. Who's the Bulls' best free agent signing ever, Jason? Who would you say? Carlos Boozer? It's probably Boozer, right? God. Powell, maybe? I guess. Powell? Bad. It's bad. I mean, (laughs) we were were thinking it might be Fad Young. That's how low the bar is, right? (laughs) I'll give Powell a little more credit there. I know we gave Powell our time, but he'd put up decent numbers. For what he was, he was 
Not bad. Just frustrating. Okay, and then they draft well. Like, we're saying that, oh, the Bulls could have built this team well. Bam's probably a top 20 player in the entire league. He did not look that way right away. He certainly didn't look that way when he was a college player at Kentucky. Uh, But they just developed so well. So, you know, you could look at him and Tyler Hero as two guys they drafted and developed well in the first round. Duncan Robinson. Duncan. Well, then I was going to say, then they find these guys who they don't even draft. Yeah. Like Duncan Robinson, Kendrick Nunn. Uh, who are contributors, who they're just basically picking up as undrafted free agents. I don't believe Duncan Robinson was drafted. I don't know. I don't think he was either. They have numerous guys like that who they've just been able to pick up off, you know, the waiver wire, develop them, fit the system. Like, honestly, like, you know, there's been some rumors about, like, maybe Embiid in the Heat. Like, I would rather have Adebayo for what Miami is than Embiid, even though Embiid's the better player in the in a vacuum and even someone like Duncan Robinson just fits so well into what the team wants to do. He's definitely not a star, but he is a star role player. And I was watching, you know, that game and thinking Duncan Robinson could have the career that, you know, Corver's had, but just like more pronounced because the three point shot is going to be like emphasized his entire career. Whereas with Corver, like it was sort of, sort of happened like at the midway point or even later than that in his career when everyone fell in love with the three balls. So uh, the Heat just check every box and Jimmy's a stud. Like the Heat are not this good without Jimmy. Getting the offensive engine helps everything else fall into place. And that's what the Bulls really lack. And I think that that's what most of the worst teams in the league lack is that you need that guy who can be your engine, who can be your creator. And, you know, when Jimmy... Uh, first sort of started, let's say, deciding that he was going to play on the ball. I'm not sure if Fred Hoiberg really decided that Jimmy was <laughs> going to play on the ball or if Tibbs decided it. I think Jimmy just sort of decided it. People would say, well, he's just not a natural point guard. Well, in essence, like the whole league now looks like Jimmy Butler, right. point guard, right? Yeah. Like it looked unnatural when he first started doing it because he was at sort of the tipping point of the entire movement. But now everyone wants that guy. Six, seven, uh, so strong with the ball. I mean, Jimmy's secret superpower has always been that he doesn't turn the ball over, that he reads the floor really well. He's not an amazing passer, but he just doesn't make any mistakes. In and the- he has gotten a lot better. Like the development is pick and roll game. Obviously, it definitely took huge strides from when he like first started to now. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. Yeah. And then, I mean, the free throws are the other thing that jumps out. So Jimmy right, Butler yeah. could not hit a three-pointer this year to save his life. Of course, he splashed now. both of the three-pointers he needed <laughs> last night. But, you know, last night, 12 or 13 from the line, and he just puts the defense in an unwinnable position because it's like he's so quick and so strong and so crafty that, like, you almost got to foul him or he's going to, like, trick you into a foul when he gets in close. And then if you really wall off the paint, he's a good enough passer and has good enough vision to, like, kick out to the open shooter and he'd have a lot of great shooters. So uh, he's just everything you want. Butler is, like. I said this last night that like the list of guys who can be the engine of an offense and also an elite wing defender, it's like three to five guys, if that. And Butler's one of those guys. And yet, like we still all convinced ourselves, or you know, the discussion around him was like, well, is he going to be worth his contract? I think the reason the Bulls really did not want to build around him is because they didn't think he'd be worth his contract. When in reality, yeah. you look at Butler's last year on the Bulls in the numbers quite frankly, they're better than Rose's MVP numbers. And no one will ever say that out loud. But if you just look at the numbers, I mean, Butler's last season, 2016, the three alphas era, he was every bit as good and honestly probably better than Rose was when he won the MVP. Of course, Butler didn't have the dramatic impact on winning that Rose had. 
I will argue that I mean that year his like is like the the rest of the roster was was it was the roster was a mess and uh, I mean if you look at I mean look some of the advanced stats whatever you want to say about that like were incredible I think he was one of the most again it was like definitely top ten close to top five impactful player and if you look at like on off stats like they were the Bulls had a pretty good number when he was on and when they were off they were a total disaster so I mean. I mean, impact wise, he was huge that year. Just the rest of the roster was a mess and it mostly sucked. (laughs) Yeah, that's what I was going to say. You took the point right out of my mouth that (laughs) they had a bad coach, right? That was a Hoiberg year. Uh, Whereas, you know, the Rose MVP year, they had a great coach with Thibodeau. And like people thought the Bulls had a good supporting cast because they had Wade and Rondo. Wade and Rondo were terrible and they never did anything after they left the Bulls after that. Uh, I think that Wade was just probably the worst Chicago sports free agent signing ever. (laughs) for what he meant because they felt strong armed into trading Jimmy after that. And yeah, like Powell wasn't any good at that point. He was a big name, but like the roster just was terrible. And Jimmy dragged them to the eighth seed. And what would that team have been without Jimmy Butler? I'll tell you, they would have been what the bulls have looked like the last three years without Jimmy Butler. And that's dog shit. One of the worst teams in the league. So I just can't say enough about Butler. Like, I don't know if they're actually going to win this series. I picked the Bucks to win in seven, I think, or six in my original predictions. I will say, watching it yesterday, the margin between the Bucks and the Heat is way, way, way smaller than the stakes sort of indicate. Like the stakes sort of tell you that the Bucks are the heavy favorite. If the Bucks lose the series, it's a disaster for them. Whereas the Heat are playing with house money. But here's the thing: like you look at them on the court. And I mean, it definitely is a disaster if the Bucks lose the series it is, for it them. Is. But <laughs> I don't actually think that the margin on the court is nearly as big as the perceived margin, right? Like the narrative. Uh, right. I mean, this, I mean, just looking at record, the Bucks and the Bucks like overall like tracker, fifty six wins, like to- dominant net rating, best defense in the league. Their their offense has come back a bit, but one of like a top ten ish offense. Yeah. I mean, obviously, you just like look at that and like, oh man, like this series should be like Bucks in five. But I mean, the Heat are now I think three and one against them this this season, including last night's game. And obviously, that doesn't always mean anything. We saw the Bulls like beat the Heat I think three times in the regular season in 2010, 2011, and then losing five games but yeah i think you're totally right you continue sorry i interrupted your point again no you just made it everything you were saying there yeah i agree with it i think that uh for the for the box it just sucks that they got this matchup with miami for one Miami's going to be a quarter for Giannis. like you know that Miami's going to be a finalist for Giannis, and they might get him uh and then two like i think the bucks would have messed up the Celtics. I think they would have ran the Celtics off the floor. But the Heat are just a way worse matchup. And they even, I think, the Bucks would have had an easier time with Toronto, maybe even. I picked Toronto to go to the finals. Now I'm I'm sort of second-guessing that a little bit after game one, but obviously it's going to be a long series, so we'll see how both these work out. You know, the Bucks lost... Uh, I think they... The, did the Bucks lose game one to the Celtics last year? In the they second did, round, and they won the next. They won the next four. <laughs> yeah, that's what I thought. So yeah, so like I, mean, I do not. I don't think that's going to happen. I think the no. Heat are too good and playing too well right now to lose four in a row. I mean, it would not surprise me so if the Bucks came out and won in six games. Still, like I would still lean towards the, them winning. I know there is a lot, a lot of consternation on like Bucks Twitter and I guess NBA Twitter in general about 
Budenholzer and his coaching and just that he doesn't make adjustments enough. He doesn't play his stars enough. Like Giannis played 37 minutes yesterday, which I mean, at this point, Giannis should be playing 42, 43 minutes in the playoffs. I mean, if you're struggling, your bet, your MVP defensive player of the year needs to be playing 42, 43 minutes a game. Like you can't be dicking around with him. Like you can do that in the regular season. Like now, in a series like this, like he's got to be playing huge minutes. Probably the same with with Middleton, especially when you have when Bloodsoe's out as well. Like Bloodsoe's out, and you're like, they were like Bud's Bud played like Frank Mason a couple of minutes yesterday. Like Pat Connaughton was playing like crunch time minutes, and like DiVincenzo has not been good in the playoffs. Like you got to limit those guys' minutes and play Giannis and Middleton a lot more. The, but the heat, yeah, the heat can just throw bodies at Giannis. We saw it yesterday. They were building a wall. They were, they, I think they started Crowder on him. They could put Bam on him. They could put Jimmy on him. They could put Iguodala on him. And then the te- they play strong team defense. And after the Bucks, the, the Bucks started hot. Middleton was really hot to start. Giannis was hot to start. They had 40 points in the first quarter. They scored, what, 60-some the rest of the way only? Because the Heat, they locked in. They were playing physical. They were forcing turnovers. They were building that wall, and they just didn't let Giannis get to the basket. He was clearly frustrated at the free throw line. He went four twelve. So he's gonna have to really bring it. I know there was this, there was also this whole like conversation about how Giannis like wouldn't guard Jimmy down the stretch, and he said, "Well, I'm not gonna do that if my coach doesn't tell me." And a lot of people were getting mad. They're like, "Well, Giannis, you're the defensive player of the year. Like you you really need to take that one on one matchup." I don't think it's that quite as simple. You watch the way the Bucks play defense. They had the best defense in the year. Or in the league all season, they sell out to protect the paint. So they they are susceptible to three point shooters, which is, is another reason why the Heat are a bad match for them. Because if Jimmy yeah. and Dragic are, are are driving the basket, opening stuff for the three point shooters, that stuff is kind of there. I do think there probably is a point where, like, if Jimmy Butler is just absolutely destroying you, that Giannis probably should like take that upon himself to maybe try to shut him down. Like we've seen that in the past with guys. Uh, like when LeBron would take on D Rose, and I think he did that with Dame this in their series. Like if a guy is absolutely killing you, uh, your best defender is probably going to go and try to at least take slow him down. I know, especially in this NBA with switching and all that kind of stuff, one-on-one defense is not quite as important. There probably is a point where there should be, not to the degree of all these guys absolutely trashing Giannis. And we've seen we've seen the Giannis narrative stuff already coming out. You mentioned how the Heat are going to be a suitor. There was an article in the Athletic today. I think it was from Sam Amick, like. Talking to so uh, like a front office exec, like if the Heat beat the Bucks, like like where would Giannis go? And the guy was like, oh, he'd probably go to the Heat. And so that kind of to your point. So like there definitely is a lot of like narrative stuff at play in the, in the series as well with Giannis's future, uh, with the Heat probably possibly being a suitor, which makes it all the more fascinating. I think it's gonna be a really fun series. I still do lean towards the Bucks winning because I I think overall as a team they're probably better. And I feel like the Heat are probably still. One player short here. I guess if Jimmy absolutely just goes apeshit all series, maybe not. Maybe that that'll be enough. Be enough if Jimmy's somehow able to outplay Giannis all series, maybe. But I mean, it's one bad game for Giannis. We saw the Bucks lose game one last series. We saw them lose game one last season against the Celtics, as you mentioned. They come back. I still don't think the Heat are quite that good yet, but they're super fun. And like I said, Jimmy's playing great right now. What's ridiculous is there's probably an argument that Jimmy's a better half court scorer than Giannis. Like when Miami was building its wall, and his jumper was hitting too. Like Giannis could not really; he didn't have any counters. Yeah, and Jimmy's so good at half court scoring, and it, it's just crazy. So, yeah, Jimmy Butler stud. What else is new? Tell us something we didn't already know, right? We, <laughs> no, we, just, yeah, it was it was just kind of funny, and I was reading some stuff about that dumbass three alphas team, and I, I tweeted it this morning as well. I think it's, it seems like some of the like. 
the I guess perception about Jimmy's coming back around because when he left the Bulls and the Timberwolves drama and all that stuff, and then the Sixers, some of that drama as well. Like I think a lot of people thought of Jimmy as like just the complete asshole, dick. Like you, you can't play with him. And now I feel like some of the perceptions like coming back around, like like he's like that. You like he's exactly what you want. Again, he's like in a perfect spot in Miami uh, with guys who like fit with him. And but I was kind of just looking back at, at that old Bulls stuff, and you're like reading stuff about how like when like Jimmy and D Wade went off on like on the younger players and like it was guys like fucking Michael Carter Williams and like Nico was part of that and like we like we were we were Nico supporters but I mean Nico's out of the league now I mean it seems like and he had issues with there was the issue with the Bobby Portis thing obviously I do not condone him getting punched in the face but I mean just looking at that Bulls roster again like all their young players sucked uh you had Rondo stuck up for the young players but I mean Rondo's also like mercurial and kind of an asshole in his own way so like and these some of these other stops as well, like Andrew Wiggins, blah. Cat is really good. I like Cat, but I mean, kind of soft as well. And then with the Sixers, like with Simmons, like Simmons obviously is very good, great player, but frustrating. The lack of development of the three point shot, frustrating. Embiid love clearly loves Jimmy. He was like subtweeting last last night during this game, watching like yearning for Jimmy Butler. So it's like Jimmy might have been an asshole at some of these places. He, I mean, he definitely clearly rubs people the wrong way sometimes, but like. The guy works his ass off. He's really good, and like so a lot of these guys that if they don't did who didn't like Jimmy Butler had issues with Jimmy Butler. There's a re- it's like screw- they were probably in the wrong. Like, it, all these places that Jimmy has left, they've the places have been worse. Jimmy goes to teams and they get better. So like ultimately, Jimmy Butler makes your team better. Is he a championship player? We'll see. I don't know, but I think a lot a lot of it's kind of coming back into like more positive perception on Jimmy Butler and not as much as that he's like some team killer, coach killer. Because I mean, also just Fred, Fred Hoiberg, weak coach, bad coach, uh, whatever you want to say. And then some of these other guys, just like if they can't deal with Jimmy Butler, maybe those aren't the kind of guys you want that are going to lead you to a championship either. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Jimmy Butler. It's, it's, any other left uh, after any other leftover playoff thoughts? We talked about the Rockets. We are watching the Celtics Raptors series right now. The Celtics dominated that game one. We got a tight game two here as we're recording. We'll see what goes on there. Uh, I got uh, the Nuggets uh, Jazz series has been awesome. That'll obviously happen later tonight. Lot of lot of fun watching Jamal Murray and Donovan Mitchell uh, just absolutely go off. Like those are both good players and both players who we've kind of considered like matching with like Zach Levine. We've talked about like, like Mitchell, Jamal Murray, Devin Booker, Zach Levine. We've seen all three of these guys like really raise their profile in the bubble with just some incredible performances. I'm curious, like with this overall scoring binge in the bubble, like how Levine would have looked. I could have like the bulls obviously didn't deserve to go. They sucked ass. I, I, I wouldn't surprise me. I guess if Levine, if the bulls were actually in the bubble, if Levine would have gone off as well with some of this, this deluge of scoring and this improved shooting for some of these guys, because like what we've seen, we're seeing like Murray and Mitchell doing is absolutely fucking bonkers. Yeah. And you know, I wonder like, is it the small gym feel? Is it the lack of travel? Is it like probably all of it drop? It's probably all the above. Yeah. Yeah. No travel. So you're like, not like tired like that. These guys don't have much to do. They're, they're not going like out. I mean, obviously they can they can entertain themselves in some ways there, but like maybe not going out, staying late. Uh, they're not traveling, like you said. So that the traveling is tough. The sight lines, there's no crazy fans. So these guys are just kind of playing in like, like open gym, and they're just draining ridiculous shots. Like I was, somebody tweeted Mitchell and Murray shot charts from this series, 
I mean, and, and like they're both shooting like 60% on like top of the key threes and stuff like that. That's just like unheard of stuff. Just incredible heaters. So like I said, I, like I do what like these and these are guys who have been who are good players, but like they've never been this good. Like Mitchell was awful in last year's playoffs. I really like him. He, he was good two years ago. Last year he was awful. And like this regular season, like he was he had good solid numbers, but he didn't really take that leap. Like uh, Jamal Murray, he's never scored more than 19 points per game in a season. Now he's putting up like 50 burgers on the regular and shooting 60 percent in a series. Devin Booker, who has been a really good scorer. Took the net, took a leap, and the, as the Suns went eight, no. So I, like, I, I'm curious, like, how real that is, uh, and like, ha- have these guys like really separated themselves from a guy like Zach Levine, who we've compared him. These are all like also max guys on max contracts, or who will be getting max contracts. So that also Levine's on this 19 million dollar a year deal, which is not bad. But yeah, I, it's just been kind of fascinating to watch some of these. Just, the, the incredible shot making in this bubble has been awesome. No doubt. And, uh, you know, you wonder what next season's going to look like. I think I right. the owners think that they're going to be playing in their home stadiums and that they're going to have fans in the stadiums, even if, you know, the league starts closer to February. Uh, I'm not so sure. The way that our federal government has been responding to the pandemic and just the way that it feels like we're just fucking trapped in this thing, man. So yeah. who knows? Maybe Zach Levine will get a chance to play in the bubble next Maybe because America it's- cannot squat. <laughs> for virus. Oh God. Um, I guess last would be Lakers and Clippers. Like, do you see any reason why it won't be them in the Western conference finals? The Lakers lose game one and they come out and just kick the Blazers ass, which, I mean, the, the the Blazers hype got kind of crazy. Dame had an awesome run. He obviously got hurt in that first round series, but I mean, they were never going to be able to seriously threaten the Lakers outside of maybe one or two wins. They got the one and they got their ass beat. Uh, and then the Clippers had obviously a little more uh, issues with the, the Mavs. Luka was awesome. Paul George was kind of ass for most of the series, but Kawhi was Kawhi. Just another as his playoff uh, exploits continue. I think he averaged like 32 a game, super efficient despite not shooting well from three. There's any reason that we're not going to get Lakers Clippers in this Western Conference Finals? Now nah, we're going to get it. But what's interesting, I think, is that the East second round is so much more exciting than the West second round. Granted, the West is going to have the best matchup of the entire playoffs with the Lakers Clippers in the West Finals. But like, I don't, I'm not really excited to watch the second round matchups in the West. But I love both of the second round matchups in the East, uh, and it's just you know, it's a change of what we've seen over the last. 10 years, 15 years, 20 years. Yeah, if, if we get like Lakers Thunder, like all respect to Chris Paul, who has been, who was incredible in game six, has been cr- incredibly clutch all season. The Thunder have been super resilient, huge comebacks, their clutch performances all season. They've got like 33 clutch wins or some crap like that all season. Absolutely incredible. But like, I, mean, I feel like Lakers Thunder would be a brutal second round series. And then the other one, uh, Clip- I mean, I guess Clippers Nuggets or Clippers Jazz could be interesting. I mean, especially if Mitchell and Murray are still going off, they can at least be somewhat. And I know the, like the Nuggets and Jazz aren't like typically sexy teams, but I guess if these, like if Murray and Mitchell just keep absolutely going off and the Nuggets have Jokic, uh, I guess that could be interesting. Maybe depending, it would be nice if Paul George got his head out of his ass. I know he, I know he did talk about he, the brutal honesty I did appreciate from him about uh, the anxiety and depression. And he came out and had a big game five after that, after just kind of like, after his teammates were talking him up and I know just that kind of stuff. It was, it was actually, that was refreshing to see him kind of just go admit that what he was dealing with. So I didn't mean to really say pull his head out of his ass. Hopefully he's getting just over those issues. I know we struggled a bit in game six. Uh, 
if if Paul George and Kawhi are rolling, I, mean, I can't really see those other teams winning. If Paul George continues to struggle, maybe the, one of those that series could be good. But yeah, definitely, definitely these two Eastern Conference series are more uh, interesting. I, I guess we'll see at least with this Celtics Raptors one. Like I, uh, the Celtics again, they won Game One by a lot. They're they're in a close game here, Game Two. I guess it would be nice to see the Raptors win this one, get a long series, and then with Bucks Heat, as we all talked about with Jimmy. Uh, I like Giannis as just as a Greek guy. I stick with Giannis, but then watching Jimmy, like I can't really lose. I'm rooting for kind of both teams in that one. That would be, uh, it, and it's a great series, just fascinating as we talked about. So yeah, a lot of fun. Uh, the basketball has been great. There's been a lot of just incredible performances. Any final thoughts here before we wrap it up? Uh, not really. Just give me Lakers Clippers already. That's what I want to see in the West, <laughs> and I'm I'm obviously can't wait to watch both Game Sevens. It'll be great to get Game Sevens on a neutral court. Yeah, really fun and. Uh, you know, in terms of the Bulls, we got a long way until some stuff starts to actually happen, I think, with the roster. But hopefully we'll get a new coach here in the next couple of weeks. We will ramp up the draft coverage. We're going to have some more draft guys on uh, to discuss some of these prospects. So it's, it's going to be good. We'll have some good draft coverage coming up here. And hopefully we'll uh, you know be able to find some people to talk about whoever their next head coach is as well. Absolutely. Uh, so as always, for us here at Cash Considerations, shout out to Blue Wire Pods, shout out to our sponsors, DoorDash, NFL Sunday Ticket, Bet Online. For us, please rate and review us, hit us up on Twitter, you guys know where to find us, let us know if there's anything you'd like us to talk about, let us know what we can do better. So for Jason, Ricky, this has been Cash Considerations, HR Wolves Podcast, we'll talk to you guys next time, take it easy. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.